How are we all doing? Great. Let me just extend uh, Shane's welcome to everybody. It's lovely to see everybody. You're most welcome here this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Louise Jones. I'm part of the leadership team here at St. Catharines. Um, and this morning we're going to be continuing on in our teaching series on Nehemiah. Um, Owen walked us through chapters 1 and 2 last Sunday, um, where Nehemiah discovers that the city walls of Jerusalem have been destroyed and the people of God there were vulnerable and were living without purpose. And we saw how Nehemiah reacted when he heard this news. Uh, he fell to his knees and he wept and he prayed. And we saw him pray for change. He had such a heart for God's people. And he wanted to see change. But more than that, we learn about the willingness of Nehemiah to be the change that he was praying for. And this change included a willingness to approach the king for permission to help the people rebuild the wall. It included a willingness to devote himself to God in prayer, to seek God and to respond to what God would have him do. It included a willingness to go out in the middle of the night to examine the city walls. It included a willingness for him to lead and to step out ahead of the people and the leaders around him and to courageously suggest to them, let's rebuild the wall. Nehemiah demonstrated both faith and action. And some of the questions that we were left with that I was personally challenged by were, am I doing the things that I am meant to be doing? Does my prayer lead me into action? And am I willing to be the change that I'm praying for? And how do we do this? How do we put prayer into action? Um, and I think that the prayer that Owen led us in last week was, was really significant. Um, it was a real word from the Lord. Lord, put your plans in our heart. Put your plans in our hearts. And it's something we need to keep praying. It's not something we manufacture or conjure up. We call on him to put his plans on our heart and then we respond. God, inspire us with your plans and give us courage to do something with them. And so this morning we will be looking at chapters 3 and 4, which hopefully some of you will have had a chance to read. Did you all do your homework? I will draw you to this lovely booklet um, that has been on the chairs the last couple of weeks. Um, if you don't have one, there should be some more at the back. If you'd like to grab one, it just gives a great context um, of the book of Nehemiah and it outlines um, the teaching series. And if you want to do some pre-reading, that's um, can always be helpful. But in these chapters, we see the plans God put on Nehemiah's heart. Uh, we see them come to life and how he in turn stirs the hearts of the people of Jerusalem to rebuild the city wall, even amidst the strong opposition that they come up against. But before we head into that, can we just pray together? God, we are so, so thankful for your living and breathing word. We are so thankful that we get to come together um, yeah, to hear what you want to reveal to us this morning, God. 
God, I just pray that we will be open to your word, to your truth. God, that we will be open to hearing your voice. Give us willing hearts um, to follow your plans, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So chapter 3 is one of those chapters in the Bible that you start reading and realize there's lots of difficult names. And so you kind of just skip on to the end until you get to the place where you understand the words again. Anyone else do that? Uh, And this chapter is a very long list of difficult words to pronounce. Um, And it's listing off all of the people who helped rebuild the wall. It tells us where they were from, and it tells us what they did for a living. Um, And to be honest, I was really trying to get to chapter four because it was just a bit meatier, you know, it had a bit of story and content in it. Um, But as always, the living word of God reveals itself when we allow it to. Um, And actually, I loved sitting with chapter three. I first played it on audio and I genuinely was really, really moved Um, and it actually brought up a lot of, of emotion because there was just this beautiful picture of a community of God's people all pulling together and playing their part in one common purpose. There were high priests who probably had never done manual labor in their whole lives um, and they were helping to rebuild the wall. There were goldsmiths who would have been used to refining gold and silver and shaping ornate things uh, and they were helping haul rocks around. There were perfume makers laying beams. There were rulers roofing. There were sons of rulers who were helping. Rulers with their daughters were pulling their weight. It says there were residents putting doors and bolts and bars in place. Temple servants fixing towers. Uh, The son of the guard of the east gate was there willing to do what he could. Merchants who had left their wares and stalls to get involved in rebuilding this wall. They were all coming together to rebuild their city. But not only that, they were coming together to rebuild their identity, their safety. They were rebuilding the call God had on them as a people. And there was unity. Again and again, we read the words, next to. Next to him, this happened. Next to them, they built this part of the wall. Next to, next to. This picture of teamwork. And the people, regardless of their status, their title, their training, their age, their gender, their experience, their qualification got involved. Everyone was invited in to play their part, to be part of the plan and to serve, not for personal gain, but for the overall cause. And ultimately... Let's be honest, that cause that those people, that that community fought to rebuild, fought to restore, is the same great cause that we are still building on. To be united as God's people for the sake of the world. That's why we're here. That's what a life of faith looks like. To lay everything down and to be obedient to his call on our lives. And we get to do that together, next to each other as community. I think often we can cubbyhole ourselves and think that we don't have anything worthwhile to bring to the table. Can anyone identify with that? I know I have felt that many times and I continue to feel that. 
that I feel unqualified or not good enough, not experienced enough. But you know, one of the most significant things I've learned over the last year or two is that all I can bring is myself. Louise Jones. <laughs> That's all I have to give, regardless of my experience, my age, qualification. All of those are the things, my title, whatever. All I can bring is me and what God has done in my life, what he has taught me, and what he has put within me. And rather than focusing what I lack, I just bring what I have and I do something with it. And I ask God to use it for his glory. Just like God's people back then, we are called to show up, to stand next to someone, to get stuck into God's plan of restoring all of creation unto himself. And even when we don't understand why God does things the way he does, And we don't know how the future will look. We push in. We bow lower in surrender and obedience. And we keep going. We keep trusting. And we keep building with each other. And how do we do that week to week? We intentionally be community and family to each other. That's how we do it. And not just on a Sunday. And we surrender and we serve. I know that we are all time poor and our weeks are busy. But can I challenge you this morning with that question? What are you doing with what you have? Because it matters. It matters to the big picture of God's plan. There is no other you here. There is no one else that can bring what you can bring. When you show up to connect group or a prayer gathering or a ministry meeting or a Sunday morning to serve or when you lift your hands in praise to God or bow your head in reverence to him, when you pick up the empty toilet roll in the cubicle when no one's watching, if you throw a cup in the bin or offer to stack the chairs or stop to say hello or show kindness to a visitor or pray for your neighbour, what you bring and model and witness to this community matters. How you live your life matters. It matters to me. And it matters to the person next to me and it matters to the person next to you. You are an important part of God's call on St. Catherine's. And we are all in this call together. But only you can say your own daily yes to God. No one else can do it for you. We are called not to just function together as a church that works hard to run smoothly every Sunday. We are called to more than fulfilling our commitment in a ministry. They are really, really important and vital parts of our church life together. But let's do all of these things remembering that why we do the things we do is because we are called to invest in the eternal significance and consequence of our community, of God's church. And just cast your mind's eye, if you will, for a moment 
uh, to a time when none of us are here. And the generations behind us are building on what we have done with what we have. It all matters. The Israelites here that we're reading about were standing on heaps of rubble. The city is in ruins. It is a total mess. There are stones everywhere. And the stones are broken and burnt and misshapen and scattered and disorderly. And these stones speak of the past. They speak of the wreckage of generations that have gone before. They speak of unfaithfulness of their forefathers to God. They speak of worship of false idols and disobedience from God's call on their lives. But what are these guys doing? They are taking the broken pieces and are using it to build. One of the mostly used words throughout the chapter, um, chapter 3, is the word repaired. You'll see it again and again in each sentence. And interestingly, the Hebrew translation of the verb that's been used here is to make firm and to make strong. To repair is to make firm and to make strong. So here there is this powerful picture of these people taking up these, these broken pieces of stone and reusing them in a different way, in a different pattern, to make the wall strong. And do you know that often the rubble that you are lost in, that reminds you constantly of the, the brokenness of your life, the rubble that is the stuff that we all carry from our past is actually the material you used to build with and stand up on. And for you, that rubble must, might look like hurt or loss, pain, darkness. It might look like disappointment, regret, rejection, unforgiveness, abandonment. But these are the places where we need to bring God into the center of because actually those messy places are potentially the places of our greatest strength. Those heart-wrenching, hurting, often ignored places in our lives, you know, the ones that require hard labor and excavation that aren't always easy to get to or to dismantle. But in there, you find your next concrete step. Psalm 84 talks about going through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, the hard places, but how God transforms these difficult ways into places of refreshment. And from there we are made stronger. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools and they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. The thing that is most broken within you has the most potential to strengthen you. There is strength in the rubble of our lives. And this morning I really sense that God wants to uncover broken places. Places where perhaps it has been easier to hide in rather than to face into. Maybe it's been easier just to let it pile up rather than to get in there and work through it with God. 
what are those places for you? Where has the rubble piled up? Where do you need to invite God into so that it can be made firm and strong? Our God brings peace. Our God brings perspective and he brings freedom. That is the God that we serve. And so can I encourage you, if God is highlighting something for you this morning, an area in your life this morning, will you give him access to that? Because I believe that those places can be a place of strength for you. And that you can rebuild with a different pattern and a different script. It's easy to read through chapter 3 and think, wow, they just like all got together and rebuilt this wall. Just makes it sound so easy. So and so did this and so and so did that and it just seemed to be no problems. They, you know, you nearly picture them kind of sitting up on top of the rubble with a cup of tea admiring their work. But things don't happen like that, do they? As we respond to to God's call in our lives, opposition comes. Chapter 4 then starts to reveal some of the problems and challenges that Nehemiah faced. God's plan is always to build, like Owen said last week. But the enemy loves to destroy. And we see here that the, the enemy didn't like seeing things being rebuilt and restored and strengthened. In verses 4, 1 and 2, it says, sorry, in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, when Sanibalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed, and he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And here we see that the enemy wanted them to lose sight of the vision, to distract them from their purpose, to make them second guess what they believed in, to destroy their unity. And what we learn in this chapter from Nehemiah is that he didn't respond to the taunts and intimidation of the enemy. He didn't answer back. He didn't justify what he was doing. He did not back down or give up. He prayed. He said, God, you deal with them. I'm actually busy over here. I've got work to do. And it tells us in verse 14 that they continued rebuilding and that the people worked with all their hearts. You see, unity grows when it's stretched and pressured and even threatened. And they were all in. They kept pulling together and rebuilding, even with the threats, even with the negative voices, even with the exhaustion, the discouragement, the mockery, the sarcasm, with the fear of being attacked. Even so, they kept going and actually worked even harder towards their goal. There is so much to be fearful of in life. I fight that battle every day. It's so easy to fear the future. And it's not plain sailing when, when you respond to what you believe is God's call on your life. It's not always easy. But we do not back out and we do not give in and we do not retreat. 
We do not separate ourselves from the body of Christ or isolate ourselves. We stay in. Why? Because if God is calling us forward, even if that means traveling through places of opposition, then that's where we go. In obedience. With one another. Next to one another. We increase our dependence on him and we keep advancing. Because that is where fullness of life is. That is where we are meant to be. That is where he can fully use us to reveal his kingdom here on earth. That is how we are his light in this broken world. And that's what the church is called to do. And it may be scary and uncertain and it requires some serious faith and we don't get to have all the answers and reasons but we will not regret it because God's plans always prosper. So how do we stay intact and safe when the enemy is threatening us and distracting us and questioning our faith? And as it says in verse 8, stirring up trouble. Do you ever feel like the enemy's stirring up trouble? What do we do with the everyday taunts in our heads that say you're unworthy, you're not valuable, you'll never be free of that? What do you have to offer? God isn't for you. But let's take the amazing wisdom from this book. In verse 9, it says, They prayed and they set a guard. Verses 17 and 18, those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. They worked on, but carried their weapons. They set a physical guard to protect themselves, and they prayed to protect themselves. And this picture of a sword at their side is really significant. Obviously, it's a physical weapon, but in Scripture, it talks about the sword of truth. And when the enemy attacks with a lie, be ready and equipped with God's truth. Let us always be aware of the vertical and horizontal planes of life, the physical and the spiritual, heaven and earth coexisting, God's kingdom on earth in our everyday And we need obedience and vigilance in both. And so we persevere on in our kingdom call wherever we find ourselves. When we are in work, in school, in college, maybe just hanging out with friends, having family time, if we're out on the streets, if we're here in our church community, with one hand we physically serve We give and bless and sacrifice and surrender and invest in one another. But with that, we armor ourselves and in the other hand, we take up our spiritual weapons of prayer, scriptural truth, God's promises. We praise him, we find things to be thankful for and we love one another. One isn't sacrificed for the other, they go hand in hand. We work and we watch. For me, I have ways of dealing with the opposition that comes at me. Often it can, it can look like that form of self-doubting thoughts or fear-provoking taunts in my head. 
and I have my go-to weapons. One of them is, is thankfulness and celebration. And when the darkness comes and I feel it sucking me in, I just find something to be thankful for and I celebrate it. I celebrate the gift of it. I just turn it around. I find something to be thankful for. The other day I was at home trying to pull my thoughts together for this morning, battling the voice. You've nothing to say. You won't get that done. And I found myself banging a beat, literally thumping on the kitchen table and singing out, How great thou art! How great thou art! (laughs) And I literally was doing battle at my kitchen table, pushing away the darkness and the taunts and that opposition. I'm not up for entertaining fear and insecurities. I'm just not. I am not going to sit in a corner and cower at the enemy. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to tell everyone that I want to surrender my life to him and I'm all in. And I want to do it with you lot. (laughs) We all have different ways of dealing with opposition, different kingdom weapons that we draw on. And maybe for you, it's, it's prayer. Maybe you, you ring someone and ask them to pray with you. Maybe it's being in nature and solitude and just praising out to God. Maybe it's praying and fasting. If you don't have a default weapon that you go to, can I please encourage you to find one and to practice it? We get to choose praise over mourning. We get to practice thankfulness over entitlement. We get to see situations from a kingdom perspective, not just an earthly one. We get to stand side by side next to one another in God's truth and to be united in our breakthroughs and in our battles with full confidence that God is in control and is working all things out for his glory. And just like Nehemiah and the people of Israel, we just need to stay close to him and to each other to keep building God's way and strengthening as God's people, keeping our eyes on him, keep pushing in to his plans and purposes, but always ready for the opposition that comes with that territory. Before I started writing for this talk, I asked my daughter's uh, my two younger daughters, Romy and Amelia, Rebecca wasn't there, wherever she is. And I asked them what they had learned about Nehemiah, because they had been doing it in, in Sunday school. Um, and one of them said, Nehemiah never gave up. And the other one said, he obeyed the Lord. Simple truths. And that's my prayer for us this morning, that we would keep going and that we would follow Christ that we are encouraged to come as we are and do what we can with what we have. I pray that God would put his plans on our hearts, that as God's people we would continue to respond to the call on our lives using the gifts that we have been given. I love our church. St. Catherine's has been my home church for 17 years 
and all my major life events have happened here. This morning we're talking about collaboration and opposition and I've always felt like this community has been next to me, calling me out, calling me on, nurturing my faith, journeying with me through battles and breakthroughs, covering me and my family in prayer, interceding on our behalf. And I'm so thankful for that. But I want more. (laughs) I want to grow more in my faith. I want to go deeper with God. I want more friends to journey with. I want more people to join us. I want to be a part, more a part of what God's doing here. I want to see more of God's kingdom here on earth. And I want that for every single person who is here. I also want it for every person out there to know the blessing it is to be part of the body of Christ. I want that for our city. So what is God speaking to you about this morning? Is he speaking to you about shifting some rubble? Rebuilding it to make it a place of strength? What are the plans that God is putting in your heart? Have you asked him? Will you ask him? Where is he calling you to build in this community or in the places that you find yourself? What is he highlighting that is in your hands or that you need to pick up in your hand? So I guess my heart is that God would speak to you. I'd love if we could all stand and if, um, if we could just enter into just a time of response where you can just go a bit deeper with God. As the guys play in the background. If you feel comfortable whatever way you get into a zone with God if it's closing your eyes or opening your hands or whatever way it is for you if you feel comfortable to do that let's do that next to each other but you've got to find your own conversation with God it's actually not the same as the person next to you have a different call but a common purpose where is God calling you out God wants to mobilize you this morning that's the word he gave me this morning mobilize to move out move out of where you are the ground beneath your feet let's not just stay where we are let's not do this again next Sunday 
Let's not do what I did yesterday, today. Let's move forward. We're all heading towards the same place. We're all heading towards God. We're going there anyway. So let's ask him how best to get there. What's the next step for you?